We're going to continue our series called out today. Uh, I hope that the Lord has really been ministering to you. I know he has to me uh, through this series. And I believe that uh, we have a strong word that's going to be presented to us today by our youth pastor. Would you welcome James Jansen? All right. Lots of exciting things happening at Springhouse. You guys excited? All right. You guys ready to hear the word today? Me too. Dude, this series has been great. I have uh, I've learned probably a lot more than, uh, than I expected to learn, um, as is when I'm teaching the kids upstairs. Um, usually I'm the one that learns more than they do. So, um, But let's get right into it. Uh, we started this series with Pastor Kevin and the call. And uh, he had brought a great message that reminded us um, to trust the Lord and that uh, the call that, he, that God puts on our lives is the most important thing that we can go after, go after the Lord in this, and that we should always put our yes on the table and be ready and, and willing when the Lord calls. Um, the thing that he said, he said one thing during that series, and it really touched my heart. He said, Man's end game is in position and titles, but God's end game is in surrender. And that really, really spoke to me. I said, Lord, what areas of my life am I not surrendering wholeheartedly to you? And he exposed some things, and that's how we grow, right? Then um, Pastor Allen came and he brought a word um, talking about the, the, the difference between the culture that we live in and our calling, calling, choosing calling over culture. He reminded us that our calling as Christ followers is to affect the people that we're around, to point them to Jesus. That's our number one. And uh, then Pastor Kevin brought a word. He talked about outreach, how it... Uh, how it affects us here at Springhouse and how we're called as a church to have a, a, a great theater ministry and people come here to really get equipped and really get um, to learn about the Lord. That's our, our outreach here at Springhouse and, and that changing lives is the job of the Holy Spirit, that there's no amount of money that we can just throw at a situation and the money's not going to change them, right? We're not going to change them. It's, that's the job of the Holy Spirit. Then Pastor Ronnie last week gave a phenomenal message here just to fix our attention on God and that He will change us from the inside out. And two things. First one, we're called to believe, right? Called to believe. Second thing, we're called to be a disciple. We are all called to be a disciple. Whether or not you know it or not, we are called to be a disciple. That is one who has learned, a learned one of the Lord. And... What's the way we can learn? Open our Bibles. Get in God's Word, right? It is the truth. So we've been teaching out of Romans chapter 12. You should have it bookmarked in your Bibles by now. Uh, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. If you would, stand, and we'll go ahead and read it together as a church family. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. 
Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you. He develops well-formed maturity in you. Father God, thank you for your word, Jesus. Thank you that it's living and active, that it's sharper than a double-edged sword. Thank you for changing us from the inside out with it, Lord. Lord, we crave and desire to know more of you and what you have for us. Your truths are what we need. So Lord, speak to us this morning. Give us ears to hear you and a receptive heart to understand what it is you're teaching us in Jesus' name. Amen. These are my boys. If everybody can pay attention to the screen, we got Noah on the left, Judah in the middle, and Elijah on the right. And just like babies coming into this world, when we choose the Christian life, when we enter that path toward the Lord, we all enter the same way. We enter as spiritual babies, children, not really knowing much, but that's our opportunity. So what are a couple things that babies need growing up? Babies need nourishment, they need milk to grow, and they need a family, mother and father usually, to, to help them, to feed them, to equip them, to clothe them, to comfort them, right? It's the same with a church family. We need the scripture as nourishment. First Peter 2, 2 and 3 says, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. See, the word crave here in the Greek sense is translated as a command. Peter is commanding us that we need this. This is not a suggestion. This is not something that we should take lightly. This is an essential part of our growing into who the Lord has called us to be. Now, if I can work this computer... Um, I spent some time reading the Word in my uh, early walk with the Lord. And, you know, even though I read the Word, I didn't actually allow it to change me. So I would spend about two hours every morning, and we would dedicate that time to the Lord reading as a part of my job, what I did. I wasn't in a pastoral role. I was just simply in a business that really believed the Lord for good things. And so we dedicated that time every morning to reading his scripture, opening it. Now, granted, I was still a child. I was in my early 20s, and I was figuring this all out. Um, I had some great help along the way, but it was my choice whether or not I could take that word, that truth that the Lord provided, and really apply it to my life. Peter puts it, or the, the author of Hebrews puts it like this. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, 
who, are, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Now, that part about applying it as solid food, letting it grow in us, is the application. Application is acting on what we know to be true, okay? So we can have all the knowledge in the world. We can have all of the biblical knowledge, but if we don't apply it in our lives, are we really growing? No. No, we're not growing. But, however, when you do start to grow, you do start to gain that knowledge and apply that teaching to your life, uh, those things of the Lord, they become second nature to us. We start to do them, right? And then when we come across something that's not of the kingdom, we automatically become offended by it. When we grow into spiritual maturity that the Lord has called us to, we should take offense at what the enemy tries to come at us with, right? So if I'm watching a movie and I hear a cuss word or I see a scene that's not appropriate, I should get chills and be like, oh no, I got to turn that. I got to get away from that. That's what the Bible says. It says we're supposed to run or flee from temptation, from danger. And those are warning signs, red flags within our spirit that say, I got to get out of here, right? That's the mature believer and the response that we should have. I read a book years ago by a man named John MacArthur. It's called Reckless Faith. And it's a book I was reading, trying to learn more about discernment in my life. He says, federal agents don't learn to spot counterfeit money by studying the counterfeits. They don't study the bogus money. The study is in the genuine bills, is in what's real, okay? So they know exactly what that looks like, what that feels like, that thing that's real. That way, whenever they come across a counterfeit bill, they'll know right offhand, no, that's not real. It's the same way with our Christian walk is that we should be studying the Word so much so that we know exactly what it says. Our relationship with the Lord should be so close that we know His heart for what's going on, and we're like, okay, that right there ain't right. I can spot that out. It sticks out like a sore thumb. See, the closer we are with the Lord, the bigger He is in our lives. And I told this story in first service, but I'm going to go ahead and tell it in Second as well, um, we, we meet together here on Tuesdays as a pastoral staff, and uh, we spend some time praying, we spend some time, you know, planning and preparing, uh, but last Tuesday, it spoke to my heart, the Holy Spirit said, you need to share that with the congregation. I said, okay, okay, Lord. And uh, so here it is, Pastor Kevin was telling a story, and there was a father and a son, they were outside, and the son looks up and he says, man, I wonder how big God is. How big is God? And the dad said, well, look at that plane up there in the sky. And they're up there. He said, how, how big do you think that plane is? And he said, well, it's really small, you know. So then the dad takes the son, takes him to the airport, gets in front of a Boeing 777, right, one foot away. and says, how big do you think that plane is? And he said, it's huge. <laughs> He said, that's how our relationship with the Lord is. It's all about proximity, right? How close are you to the Lord? The relation in which we're looking at the Lord from 30,000 feet is going to be small. We're a lot further away from him then, right? 
But when they went to that airport, their proximity changed. Their perspective was like, oh my gosh, it's right in front of me. And then they saw the bigness of that plane. See, as we grow, we become less self-centered. Spiritual maturity happens in us and it makes us different. It changes us from the inside out, like Pastor Ronnie was talking about. We become less about me and more about him. We begin to make the sacrifices necessary in order for us to serve others. And we start to become more secure, secure in Christ, in our relationship with him, who he calls us to be. And eventually, that pushes us into some form of ministry. You know, we are all in some form of ministry, whether you like it or not. If you're a disciple, you are going after the Lord, and you should be telling people about Jesus, right? The good things that he does in you produces an overflow, and that overflow is what you give to others. Amen? So, People will always respond in accordance with the level of their spiritual maturity. Now, response is huge, right? We don't get a, I don't get a lot of response up in, on Thursday nights with the teens, but we're working on it. We are working on it, all right? Sometimes um, the responses that we get kind of call out the spiritual maturity in, in other people's lives. I know when I was still learning and I was growing and, and, I, and I really didn't quite get it yet, I started, I, you know, I spent a time where I was hunting a lot and I spent a lot of time out in the woods and even so much so that I would start spending Sundays out in the woods. And when I would go back to church, people would be like, hey man, I missed you on Sunday, where were you at? And I'd be like, man, let me tell you about it. Me and God had a great time out in the woods. It's just me and him out there. And that's, you know, that's kind of where I belong, right? Well, no, I was just figuring it out. I needed all the people that I could get in the body of Christ. Remember what we need? Milk, nourishment of God's word and a church family. If I'm staying home, if I'm living a life of, solid, of, of solitary confinement, you know, uh, in the woods, it doesn't matter what you're doing, you're missing out on a big part of growing spiritually and in, in, in growing in the walk with the Lord. Not to call out you hunters out there, but, you know, just saying. If you've ever said it's just me and God, all right, <laughs> think twice about that. <laughs> they're not here today. They're in the woods, Justin says. <laughs> well, they go back and watch it. It's on live stream. <laughs> But no, seriously, that's the way that it is. And unfortunately, in churches today, we see an alarming rate of immaturity, and it's recognized by a couple of ways, right? Fighting, contention, turmoil within the church. What happens to kids whenever they're, you know, on a playground and they get their toys taken away? Or a kid comes up and does something he doesn't want, you know, that my son doesn't want, he takes his toy and he goes and looks for someone else to play. He'll, he'll go to another playground because he doesn't like the environment on that playground, right? Instead of working through our problems, sometimes we just leave, right? That's the way that it is sometimes. And it's not right. It's not the way that God intended it to be. Second Corinthians 
10, verses 3 through 6 in the message translation says, the world is unprincipled. It's dog eat dog out there. The world doesn't fight fair, but we don't live or fight our battles that way. Never have and never will. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation, but they are for demolishing that entirely massive corrupt culture. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. My question today is, are your tools ready at hand? Are you studied in the scripture? Is your walk close with the Lord? These are the reflections of a spiritually mature believer, okay? So, a church is not a place I go to, nor an event I attend. It is a spiritual family that I belong to, okay? We got the milk, we got the church, right? A church is not a building. A church is not a place. It's not an event. It is a family. When we adapt that concept that we are a part of God's family and he's called each one of us together to unify and and operate in a spirit of harmony and cooperation, then it changes the way that we think about others. It changes what happens in our thoughts. It changes what our overflow is at that point, right? We start to invite people to church and say, hey, come check out what's going on here. My family is awesome right? If your family is not awesome, do you think you would invite people over to your Thanksgiving dinner? No. (laughs) You'd be like, ain't going to be doing nothing other than getting the cops called. Come on. (laughs) But no, our family is awesome. So we want to invite people in that spirit of harmony. We believe that other people need to have, need to feel, right? My church family provides fellowship and prayer, commitment and accountability, teaching and discipleship. We do life together. We worship together. We serve together. We break bread together. We celebrate each other's successes, and we are there for each other's failures, okay? Book of Acts puts it, um, sorry, I I clicked that too early. It's okay. Uh, In the book of Acts, at the end of chapter two, we begin uh, to see the forming of the early church, Peter brings a message of repentance, and the Bible says those who believed were baptized, 3,000 in all, okay? They were changed. Let me just read to you out of verse 42. They were continually and faithfully devoting themselves to the instruction of the apostles and to fellowship, to eating meals together, and to prayers, okay? These, These men, before the day of Pentecost, were a form of man, right? Now they have walked and with, you know, some of them walked with Jesus. They experienced him on earth, right? They were a part of some of his teachings, right? Um, But something changed when they received the Holy Spirit. When they received the Holy Spirit, they were unified together as a body. And, And then they started proclaiming, right? That's when Peter stood up, gave the message of repentance and 3,000 were baptized, Right? That's when they came together and really started operating as a church through gathering, fellowship, prayer, breaking bread, small groups. Things like this are what make us and unify us together as a church. 
And what was their common purpose? Their, their common purpose together was to spur each other on in faith and to proclaim Jesus as Lord. Proclaim that he's the Savior who came to die for every one of them, right? And so that's what propelled them into, it doesn't matter what it costs. I'm going to go do it because that's what I know I am to do. They said, here I am, Lord, send me, use me. I want to be your tool, your vessel for the nations. And, and God did. See, being the church means that we share in the needs of others, that we love, serve, and help others with compassion. Why? Because that's what a healthy family does. We have compassion for one another. This verse blows me away out of Ephesians 1, 5. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure, great pleasure. See, God knew before he formed each one of us that he was going, that he was going to and that what you were going to do, Right? Before he formed the earth's foundations, he knew you, and he had a plan for you. And he said, that plan is good, and I'm going to take pleasure in it. It gave him great pleasure, right? God knew before the beginning of time, he predestined to adopt us into his family. Man, if that, didn't, that doesn't give you some sort of sense of purpose, then I don't know what does. We belong to the family of God. We are co-heirs with him. He sees us through and through. He knows all of our hurts. He knows the challenges that we face daily, and yet he still walks with us, right? If we are willing to surrender to him, he is faithful to mold us into the best version of ourselves. God brings the best out of us, right? How does that happen? Through total surrender. When we surrender ourselves to him, he is able and will is faithful to do all above exceedingly beyond anything you can ever dream or possible. This is the refining process. This is daily thing that happens. It's a refining process of, of going through the fire going through those challenges of life and trusting the Lord to bring you out. That's where the impurities are burnt away and the, what's left is a heart completely sold out for Christ. It's important for us to understand, though, life's challenges, they don't make us who we are. They don't. It's the challenges in life that reveal our character. It's the challenges in life that prompt us to put our trust in the Lord and understand that you're not in control. God is in control. So why would I try and fix it when I know that the master and creator of the universe, the one who breathes the stars, has my plans in his hands? So next time we get cut off in traffic or... We have a coworker that just bashes us, or we're passed over for that, you know, uh, possible, you know, promotion in life. How are you going to respond? How are you going to respond? Because we know that the challenges in life 
right? Make us stronger. How are you going to respond? It's important for us to remember these things because God has a perfect plan for us. Each one. And if we trust him, then he'll make it happen. The, the perfect plan that he has for us is in his will over us. And it's our understanding that we have to connect our heart to his heart, to align with him. See, he calls us loved. He calls us forgiven. He calls us redeemed, chosen, saved. He calls us set free. He calls us a holy nation. God calls us a royal priesthood. He calls us sons. He calls us daughters. He calls us family. So the next time you think you're not worthy of his calling over your life, think again. Worship team, you can come on out. I'm going to leave you with a couple of scriptures that the Lord put on my heart during first service. And it's in uh, 1 John 2, the message translation, I believe this is 2 through 4, says, Here's how we can be sure that we know God in the right way. Keep His commandments. But the one who keeps God's God's word is the person in whom we see God's mature love. This is the only way to be sure that we're in God. Anyone who claims to be intimate with God ought to live the same kind of life that Jesus lived. Jesus came onto this earth, lived, lived and showed us the way. And if we are to embrace the life that he lived, then it should be a reflection. Our lives should reflect Jesus. Every way, not just on Sundays, not just on Thursdays. God wants every part of us. And if we're faithful to surrender all to him, he will make things happen the way that they should according to his will for your life. Father God, thank you for who you are in our life, God. I believe you're the wonder-working God. I believe that there's nothing that's impossible for you. God, every heart that's here this morning, Lord, you know it. You know everyone deep inside and out before you created the foundations of the earth. You knew us. So Lord, our prayer this morning is that we would lay down our lives for you. That total surrender would happen in every area and that you would take control. We trust you, Jesus, wholeheartedly and thank you for the opportunity to be obedient to your will over our lives. We love you. We trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to go back into that song. But first, I'm going to ask the elders, if you want to come down for prayer. Um, this is an open space, guys. This is an open space. And I know that we deal with challenges and trials in life. That's not foreign to us. This is where you lay it down. This is where you surrender it. We're here to help. We're here to pray. So come if the Lord prompts you.